Welcome to Color Him Dads with hosts Marvin and Jeanette Charles. Marvin, Jeanette, and their guests are here to provide tools to struggling fathers that will help them navigate systems and overcome challenges they face attempting to enter or re-enter the lives of their children and families. They're here to inform, encourage, and bring hope as they confront the epidemic of fatherlessness head-on. Now, here are Marvin and Jeanette. So, here we are at another episode of Color Him Dads. Uh, I am um, hope you enjoyed our last show. Um, and today we have a number of guests with us today that will be sharing in our time uh, of Color Him Dads. Um, first, I want to introduce uh, to some of you my bride, my wife, Jeanette Charles, who is a co-founder here at Dads. And her um, fingerprints is all over this. And we'll talk. She'll tell you more about that uh, later on as we go on. And then I have a, a, a longtime friend. In fact, a couple of longtime friends. But one particularly uh, I have, um, I call infectionally Billy. His name is William Haynes. And he started this journey with Jeanette and I a number of years ago and, and went through the whole thing. Um, Eddie, Eddie Hendricks a dear friend of mine uh, who has actually been walking with us as long as Billy has been. Uh, uh, I remember before Eddie became a father, he was just a friend of dad's. He was a volunteer and, and just worked with us alongside of us. And then Eddie uh, became a father. So he'll be able to share that story with you as well. And then um, we have, uh, a special, special guest. We have Lorenzo, who is the son of Eddie's, who we affectionately call him uh, a child of dad's. And he'll tell you more about that himself as we uh, travel this this uh, podcast today. So I'm excited to be back with you again. However, uh, I'm going to kind of bow out gracefully, and Jeanette is going to do her thing today. So I really hope you guys uh, enjoy what you hear today again. Thank you. Well, hello. I am Jeanette Charles, co-founder of Dad's Divine Alternatives for Dad Services. You just heard from my husband, Marvin Charles, who let you know we have some really wonderful people that have not only come through Dad's as clients, but are now men and young men growing up to live out the example of good fatherhood. And I'm excited about it, as always. When Marvin and I started this program, we had no idea the effect that fatherlessness had on homes, communities, the world, I'll even say. Through our work, receiving calls from Russia, from Egypt, Mm. from Hawaii, and from all the 50 states, with men asking for, how can you help me see my children? Our children are a valuable, valuable asset to our world. Their young minds are nurtured and crafted by the things that they see, by the places that they go, and most importantly, by the structures of their households. So I come with a father's story raised by a single man. When I was two months old, my father gained custody of me and raised me until I was 26 years old. 
He passed away, I'll say. I never had a greater love in my life than to have my father wrap his arms around me, teach me, scold me, and mold me. But he did a wonderful job. I have to say I have a lot of beautiful memories as well as a lot of well-learned lessons coming from him. Today we're going to hear from a few of these men that have traveled similar journeys, and some are still yet on that journey, and we're proud to see that. So without further ado, I am going to pass the baton to a gentleman who started out with dads. Marvin mentioned this. When dads was an idea, through our own personal testimony, trials, and triumphs, we ran across people we knew from the streets, while we did drugs with, we did all kinds of inappropriate things with, and when we turned our life around, we wanted to share this joy of a new life with others. And our first person that walked along with us was my uncle, or Marvin's uncle, I should say, um, his uncle, Laren Patton. After Laren Patton came a young man named William Haynes. And his journey was remarkable to watch him drive from Seattle to Vancouver every weekend to pick up his children to have a visit was amazing. He was working a job and yet doing this through the week. It, we, we were we're wondering, how long is this going to last? Well, the story, fast forward, I'll let him fill in the blanks. Uh, he wound up getting custody of these two babies, so he didn't have to take that long trek anymore. Now it was a 24-7 trek that he was on. But he gravitated to it with great joy. Yes, there were struggles and there was things he had to learn how to navigate, but he did not give up. And I'm proud to say that I'm proud that he then got married, he bought a home, he acquired a job, then got reunited with other children prior to these children, his older children. So his story does not end. It continued to grow. His fatherhood journey is not over because those children are now closer in relationship with him. These are the things that we work for every day. Dads is that organization where men, such as he, while going through, have a place to turn to come and hear, how can I take this next step? It does not happen overnight, but it happens within time. We're grateful to be able to be ushers to walk with men to do such a thing. So at this time, I'm going to ask William Haynes if he wouldn't mind just enlightening us with a little bit of his journey, um, his joys, his struggles, and his pains. They all go together. William. Uh, well, uh, I'll start out by saying my name is William Haynes. Uh, uh, I've been with dad since the inception. Uh, and it's interesting how I got an opportunity to meet Marvin and Jeanette. Um, I just got out of prison. I had a, a friend of mine named Ron who also, well, who I met at church. And he uh, told me to take a ride with him one day. So it was interesting because I took a ride with him and I ended up in the car with Marvin. And it's and so we were on our way to uh, check out another group in on the east side, and so we sat out there. Uh, we, we watched this group um, and learned some things from that group because uh, he was actually doing a thing at the Atlantic Street Center. Um, so he was holding a group there, 
where he was actually working out of his home. And so uh, it, it, the blessing for me was uh, in that journey across the water on the east side, mm-hmm. um, I got a chance to talk with Marvin and, and, and tell him a little bit about my situation. And at that time, that's how I got connected with him and working with my child support. That was uh, one of the things that, that, that he wanted to help guys with uh, in being able to deal with their child support, reconnect with their kids, or whatever it was that he could do to allow people or, or navigate being a father to their children. And so there the story began. Um, now, my walk through child support was a very rough one because it was new. Um, and I, luckily for me, when I, I had had a job, and my job was like a half a mile from the child support office um, in downtown Seattle where I was going. But at that time, they were more like a, a collection agency opposed to what they are today because of the work that Marvin and Jeanette have done. But so I would go down there and I have to take off from work day in, day out, deal with my caseworker, argue with them, uh, and then in, in, in communicating with them, bringing back that information to Marvin and Jeanette, and they were helping me learn how to communicate in a positive manner so that I could get positive results. Um, and so in that process, um, I, w- I, I was working on a, a debt of $133,000. Um, but in that process and in, in, in this, in them helping me out, I was able to gain a, what they call a conference board. And then explain my situation, and then they were able to knock off 122000 of that. Mm. A lot of that was knocked off because I was in prison and I was not able to pay. So that's why they were able to knock off the $122,000. Um, and I ended up owing 11000 I was able to pay that off. Um, and I've been in a position where I haven't had to look back since. Uh it was interesting because that weight that was lifted off of me at that time, because I always used to tell people I was paying a house note to a house that I never lived in. Mm. You know, um, but I always in the back of my mind realized and understood that I had to continue this fight because it was my kids that were at stake in, in, in the end. And I knew that if I didn't take care of that, then I couldn't take care of myself and then I couldn't take care of them. Uh, and I've always been one to, to, to take care of my kids that I had access to take care of. Uh, I have a total of five children, which are all grown now. Uh, my oldest son, uh, he lives in Oregon. Um, I didn't get reconnected with him until he was 15 years old. Uh, then I had a set of twins uh, that ended up becoming adopted while I was in prison moved to Oklahoma, and so I didn't get reconnected to them until they were like 18. Um, it was interesting because the agreement when they were uh, adopted 
the adoptive parents were supposed to stay in contact, allow me and, and uh, the birth mom uh, an opportunity to stay in contact with the kids. Um, and they never did that. Matter of fact, they, they, cause my kids were born here in Washington. And while I was in prison, they moved them to Oklahoma. Now, the thing that ate at me is that I knew that they were in Oklahoma, but I could never figure out or find out where exactly. So, uh, as God would have it, because my prayer, I always prayed that I just want to know where they're at so I, I could see them graduate high school. I don't even have to meet them. I, don't, I just want to be in the crowd to see them graduate high school. So he did it a step better because what he did is he made made it so that the uh, adoptive parents, after they were no longer going to get any money for the kids, then they allowed my kids to contact me uh, and, and, and then be reconnected. And so at that time, I was ecstatic. I can tell you to this day where I was at when my daughter first called me. Me, me, my wife, and my granddaughter, we were at the Pacific Science Center. And it, and it was crazy because because uh, I was a little mad at my wife for some reason, so I walked off. But while I walked off, my phone rang, and it was this foreign number. And I just so I just answered it. Um. Uh, and it was crazy because it was my daughter. Mm. And, and, and I could just remember just breaking down in tears, man. And, and, and at first I thought it was a joke. I, I thought somebody was playing a game. Then when she got to talking to me, I was like, wow. I, whatever I was mad about, anything that was wrong, made everything right to me. Uh, and I was able to stay in contact with them up until their graduation, so that at the time that they graduated, I was able to, to attend. So me and my wife went out there, and when uh, after they graduated, now my daughter, she was really iffy. She was like, hold on, bro. I don't really know you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She said, look, man, you know, uh, yeah, it's going to take me some time. But my son, he flew back. He flew back with her, and then he stayed at my house. Um, and he, uh, he had graduated, so I got him into uh, college. He uh, went to St. Martin, graduated from St. Martin. I think now he's even a coach back there. At the wow. wow. Um, this is beautiful. This is the stuff yeah. that dads is about. You know, there's a, there's a story and there's a hill to climb. Yeah. Our whole whole message is don't give up before the miracle happens. Don't give up. It looks dark today, but as you just heard William say, <laughs> he stayed in this race. He kept doing what was right to the point where those children reconnected with him. He reconnected with, with them. And now he's able to tell a story about what his children are actively doing, where the first part of his life, he had no clue what they were doing nor where they were. God is so good. Yes. Come on. Come on. Um, Come on. <laughs> this is what this is about. Uh, and, and, and then uh, I also have uh, another daughter 
and a son that were actually raised with me. The ones that Jeanette were talking about, I used to go to Vancouver and pick them up on the weekend. It, 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 to uh, make a long story short, um, the mom uh, was having problems with her, her, her boyfriend or whatever, so I brought her and the kids back. Well, in her situation where she was trying to get herself on her feet, I told her to help her out. I take the kids. Okay, mind you, I'm still paying child support and all these kinds of things. So what ended it? What ended up happening is that uh, she allowed me to put them in school, so she allowed me to to, to have them. So what ended up happening? I'm gonna just keep it 100. Yeah. <laughs> is that is that I I kept paying her the child support while they, I had the kids going to the school, mm -hmm. so she got comfortable. And while she got comfortable, then uh, she tried to come back on the back end after about a year and a half later to get my kids. But I was already in position to show stability with my kids and showed them being able to uh, be stable and, and progress. So I was able to get custody of my because. Part of what we, I, I I didn't realize it, but while she was down there in Vancouver, they kept going. They went to three or four different schools while they were down there. So my kids were kind of behind. So every day that I had them when they were in school, I, I went and bought workbooks and, 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 and things to so that they can work to be up to par with their grade level. What age were they when you brought them back? Uh, Eight and nine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, eight and nine. And I'm going to ask you right now, how old are they now? Shoot. Devante just turned 28. He'll be 29. No, just turned 29 uh, last Sunday. There it is. And what is Tia doing right now? Oh, she, she's working. Uh, she's doing like coding. And what is Devante doing right now? Oh shoot, Devante, he he's uh Proud Papa too. Oh well, actually he just he just had he just had my grandson. See? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um did military? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well he okay, I'll do this. <laughs> my youngest son, uh he he he's been through the military. He went through the Marines. Uh my now, the daughter that we were talking about, she graduated from Washington State. Come on now. And then my, my other daughter, actually, let me slow down because I don't think I've mentioned this. They're twins, the ones that were in Oklahoma, a boy and a girl. Well, the girl, she's back in Oklahoma because she ended up, she came out here for a year, stayed with me, but Seattle it was just a little too much for, you know, because they grew up in Muskogee, Oklahoma. But she went back there, and she's gotten married. Uh, she's still with her husband, and they have two kids. I have two grandkids, Daniel and Daisy. Uh, and then uh, Michael is the one that went, which is a twin, that went to St. Uh, St. Martin and graduated there. And he's here. He's coaching and uh, doing counseling. And then uh, Bill, my oldest son, Junior, he's in Oregon, and he has a window washing bill. Well, this is amazing to hear. As you were sharing, your kids came up from Vancouver, and they were 
a little bit behind in their lesson. Mm -hmm. To hear you say that the baby girl graduated. She didn't just go. She graduated WS. Oh, she Washington State WSU. Uh, WSU. And, and she also graduated with three. Uh, yeah. There it is. Now you tell me God ain't good. God ain't good. And also, I want to contribute this. This is overlooked sometimes. The presence of a father in a child's life creates a balance. Not to say mothers, don't get me wrong, we do a good job. We do an excellent job when, when we have to do it. But if you can bring that balance of the father into the picture and into the lives of your children, the acceleration in that child is unbelievable. It does take steadfastness. It does take commitment. It does take dedication. It does take being there in a responsible way. I have to reiterate that you must be responsible or you feed, a, feed bad seed into your seed. And here at Dad's, we want to see good seed sold into your children so that they produce good seed. And we're going to hear more about that in a little bit. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Will. You always a blessing. He come way back from two thousand and two with us somewhere down there. Look, look, with all the stuff that we did, all the stuff. Look, we could take up a, a few of these sessions. A few of these sessions. A few of these sessions. But this was good. This yes, was good. yes. Thank, Thank you, and I appreciate the opportunity to be, you know, to be able to share. You know, because that's my passion. Help someone, or hope someone can learn something from what I've been. Through. And like that's really that. how I got into it, mm -hmm. because I realized that if, if I can deal with my child support the way that it was, I can help somebody else as well in the same situation. There it is. There it is. That's what it's about. Thank you. Wow. That was amazing to hear Mr. Haynes' story, to watch what he has done with his life, and in turn has been able to share with his own children, and now... His children are having children. Come on, Grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Dad's is now. Dad's 2.0. We're working with the grandkids now. I love it. I love it. So <laughs> next, we're going to have uh, a good friend, Eddie Hendricks, join us and just tell us how his journey has been with Dad's. Um, I personally really appreciate this man. Um, in the beginning... I was a little skeptical, <laughs> you know, uh, recovery was real dear to me and he was not clean and sober. And, but Marvin with his big heart said, we're going to help him. We're going to do what we can. So one day Marvin brought him home to my house and I wasn't a happy camper at the moment. I'm like, so where he going to stay? <laughs> and Marvin, because our garage was set up in such a way, it was like a whole nother apartment. He said, well, he'll let him stay here. He'll get up and go to work and just going to work with him, Jeanette. Give him a chance. And so, so be it. My heart softened and it got softer and softer. And he got more adamant about being gone so he could be at work. And he was really showing out to show up. I'm really proud of the journey he has had. Um, Eddie, I want you to just share what your, your life has been from then to now. Well, first of all, let me correct Marvin. He said I had a son. I actually have four. <laughs> at, at the time, I only had three. I didn't have the fourth one, okay. you know. So, you know, I, uh, I met Marvin through a good friend. 
you know, that I met. When I came to Seattle, I was in a, a men's shelter, um, Union Gospel Mission, actually. I was actually, well, all my legal stuff hasn't been cleared up. I was on the run at the time because I could not deal with uh, the stipulations that the state of Georgia had put on me. And, uh, but I did try, but, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was, a, a unattainable mission. I could not accomplish what they wanted me to do. So I, um, I called up a cousin of mine and he bought me a bus ticket to Seattle and, uh, and I came to Seattle with the intention of uh, getting on a fishing boat. And I was downtown, you know, trying to find the, um, what was that? Um, the Salvation Army. It was, but it happened to be a Saturday and it was closed. So I went downtown to the emergency shelter and I sat in there. I sat in there and I sat in there. And then something just told me, get out of here. This ain't, this ain't where you belong. So I got up and I walked out, and as I was walking down the street, I just saw this sign that said, Gospel. <laughs> and and uh, I went in there, and uh, I think I met, uh, his name was uh, Herb Fifner, William Vandermeer. They was the directors of this men's shelter. And, uh, and I told them, you know, basically what was, somewhat what was going on to, with me. And uh, they told me to go see Biggie. I said, see Biggie? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> so it turns out Biggie, he was, um, he was a bass player that he had gotten his life together through Union Gospel Mission. You know, and I sat down with Biggie. I told him my story. And, uh, you know, and some of the things that, you know, what I had heard from being hanging out in the front of the shelter, like, yeah, if you want to get into this program, you got to hang around for a few weeks and show that you want to, uh, you really want to do this. So I said, okay. I did the little intake. This was on a Saturday now. So and I spoke with Biggie, and, uh, you know, he said, he sent me to this place called the 1504. Club. So he gave me a couple of bus tickets. I went there and I came back. And uh, so that evening they had this thing, what they call uh, Saturday Night Live. It's where they, you know, they open up the shelter and different organizations, different churches comes in and they do uh, a service. So and I participated, you know, in, in that service. And then uh, and this was Saturday then woke up Sunday Sunday morning, you know, and did the you know the routine or whatever the shelter was doing at the time, and uh, so at the end of the day, you know, slept on the mats, you know, in a, in a crowded room, you know, like inches from each other, and uh, so Monday morning came, Biggie came to work. He said, "Hey, come here, Eddie." I said, "What's up, man?" He said, uh, "Go ahead and talk to this." I can't remember the guy's name, but I went in there and talked to him. But they put me in the program right away. I was like, wow. So I was able to go upstairs, get a bed, and, you know, get, get situated. 
And then, uh, you know, after, you know, getting acclimated to what this this journey uh, was, you know, starting my journey and uh, settling into the shelter, I, um, you know, and there was a group of men that came over from the east side and they wanted to mentor men in the shelters and uh, see and build a relationship with 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 some of the men. So I, you know, gravitated to this one guy because what was on my mind was job. All I want to do is get a job. Let me get a job. I'm gonna be okay. So, but God has something else in store. Hmm. <laughs> so this friend that I met, Craig, and he introduced me to Marvin. And uh, I, I had told Mar, I had told Craig on oh, my whole story and everything. And so he wanted me to meet Marvin. So he took me down to Dad's. I met Marvin. You know, all he did was talk. <laughs> the first, the first meeting, he just was talking, talking, talking. I can't remember what what all he had said, but all he, I, I just remember him talking to me, and uh, and I was able to give him bits and pieces of uh, of my story. So shortly thereafter, that you know, I finished the, the program. It was a nine month program there at uh, Union Gospel Mission. I finished the program. But then I didn't have nothing to do. I started looking for work. I, I mean, on foot, you know, you know, taking the bus wherever I could, you know. I was like, man, this ain't getting it. And so I, uh, I just started going to dad's every day, you know, just volunteering, doing whatever, because I wanted to work. I wanted a better life for myself because, you know, I had, uh, you know, I had had some 19, uh, 12 years in the military at the time. And uh, so I um, started this just journey, you know, down there at dad's, you know, by volunteering. All I just wanted to do was, and, uh, and I was hoping that, you know, they would do some miracle paperwork or whatever to get my kids back in my life. Cause that's, that was the other part. You know, I just, you know, I had three sons, you know, I didn't know where, the, I didn't know where they were in the beginning, but I finally found them. They were in Georgia. So, and, uh, so, and, uh, as I tried to communicate with them, you know, connect with them, you know, them being, you know, uh, cause my kids was, taken away from me by their mother when I was stationed over in Bremerton. I need to, yeah, I need, let me make this inclusive. I was stationed in the Navy in Bremerton and doing, it was 91. So I had three boys and during the Persian Gulf, I was gone for six months. When I came back home, my house was empty. I was devastated, you know, to an empty house. I had my, my son's gone. And I had no idea where they were. So I, uh, I went through that period, I mean, of some years, years, you know, of trying to reconnect with my kids. And, you know, went through that period of, uh, yeah, you my dad, uh, whatever, you know. And uh, they didn't want to have anything to do with me because they were taken from me, you know, at an early age, and whatever was said about me, you know, that's kind of stuck with them. That was embedded in their heads. You know, so I just continued 
to try to connect with them. And and one of the things I remember Marvin saying, you just keep doing what you're doing. You That's just right. keep doing what you're doing. Right. So I, you know, I, I mean, it was painful. That was some painful times when I called my kids and, you know, and one of my sons told me, he said, man, I ain't nothing like you. I said, wow, that, that, that was some painful words right there. And so I, uh, you know, but I continued the course. There it is. I continued the course. And I want to say right now, before I go any further, I have a great relationship with all three of my, well, all four of my sons. There it is. There <laughs> all it is. four. <laughs> so, and, uh, um, so, and my oldest son is actually staying with, he's here staying with me right now. Mm-hmm. He's just not here at this session. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, o- over the course of years, I have built a relationship with my kids, you know, and uh, my grandkids, mm-hmm. you know, which I have 14. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, 14 grandkids. Many opportunities mm-hmm. to start over. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, to All sit right. down. Oh, okay. <laughs> sit down. Sit down and chill. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and bounce the babies bounce on the, the babies <laughs> yes. And give them back. Give them back. Okay. <laughs> you know, so, you know, through this journey, you know, I just, you know, I, um, I just knew that if there's someone somewhere along the line, someone told me, if you want to be a winner, you got to hang with the winners. Mm-hmm. And so and that's what kind of popped stayed in my head when, you know, when I met Marvin, he has been on this journey. He's been doing this, you know, for, you know, him and his wife, excuse me, for doing it for quite some time. So I just, you know, started hanging around, you know, doing whatever I could. You know, I can cook a little bit, you know, <laughs> heat food up, by yeah. the way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I used to go down there. I made, uh, you know, made a couple of dishes down at the old office. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just stayed hanging around. And uh, and then once I got my head clear all the way, I re this is this is another miracle right now. I reconnected with my old guard unit. And back in Pennsylvania. And, you know, they never said I was AWOL, never wrote me up for anything because I was gone for a couple of years, mm. you know, and I just signed up here, you know. And I mean, I did, did an interstate transfer where they transferred me from Philadelphia to here, you know, and it was just all facts and paperwork. So I got back with the guard unit. I started doing my weekend warrior stuff. And, uh, so fast forward after Iraq, I came back here. You know, I wasn't right, quite right. You know, I went through, I relapsed. I went back through, you know, some of those old behaviors, people's places and things. But that was short-lived, you know, that didn't because that was not me. Then I met a young lady, and I introduced him to Marvin and Jeanette and told him, hey, man, I'm getting married. I'm getting married. See, the only thing that was in my head, I wanted to be successful. And, 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 and I wanted to mirror what Marvin and Jeanette had done, you know, re- gotten their lives back together, did a complete change, you know, 180. But God didn't, wasn't, that wasn't the story for me. So I ended up, you know, getting, we, I had a, um, she got pregnant, we got married. But um, it didn't work out. 
So, and uh, I ended up going back into a shelter because I, I didn't have a place to live because the house that we were living in, it was government funded for veterans. And, uh, and, and I had, we had an issue. I called a domestic violence charge, you know, and uh, I ended up having to, you know, go two years of probation, uh, nine months of anger management, you know, a whole nine yards. But because I have had that foundation of dads, it kept me grounded. It kept me grounded. And so and I just continued to do what I was doing. And uh, I got a, um, I got another apartment by myself and uh, and my son's mother, you know, she had ended up in a shelter with with uh, with with my son. And, uh, and I was going to pick him up, you know, on the weekends, you know, after I, you know, got off of work. And then I got a phone call saying, are you the father of this Lorenzo? Mm -hmm. I said, yes. So they told me that uh, there had been an incident and they needed for me to come down to the uh, to women's shelter. So I went down and uh, they told me the details of what, uh, what had happened. And I said, okay. I said, yes, that's my son. And uh, they said, well, if she does not have a place to go in 30 days, your son will have to come live with you. I said, okay. Being the, you know, uh, God-fearing man that I was, you know, I sought counseling from my church, you know, and they told me to sought counseling from my church in Marvin, you know, and they gave me some, some different scenarios and uh so and I, you know, I ran with it, you know, and I brought my son home, you know, and I told her because it was the, getting close to the holidays. I said, all, I, all we got to do is just get through the holidays. You can come stay here. We'll get through the holidays. What I'm hearing you say, Eddie, is you were willing at that time to include her because you were looking for that healthy family structure. Yes. 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 Yeah, so. I, uh, you know, so when he came to live with me, you know, I was still working the weekend, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I need to back up a little bit because I had, <laughs> I had gotten a job. I was working, uh, uh, I was working at day labor. I was going to day labor every day. I mean, I would be there, be, be there before they cut the lights on because <laughs> I wanted to work because yeah. that's what's in, that's what I, my, that's my hustle. Mm -hmm. I can work, you know. And so, and I, I ended up going uh, to this, this one construction company and they said, uh, um, are you looking for a job? I said, yeah. Mm -hmm. He said, can you pass the drug test? Mm -hmm. I said, mm. Nah, not at this time. Because, and uh, he said, okay, thank you for your honesty. He came back about an hour later. He said, hey, man, he said, you're the only one that came from labor ready that's been honest with us. So whenever you're ready, we'll give you a drug test and you got a job. I said, okay, that's the end of that. <laughs> no more for you. Huh? No more for me. So, I stopped, you know, doing all this other stuff, 
And I said, you know, because I could not live that that, that life day to day to day to day. Because I remember some mornings, some you know, when when the city was waking up and I had been up all night. All I said, I was like, man, I want to just go to work. I want to be getting up, going to work, you know, and taking care of my family. So I ended up getting, you know, the construction job. I did it for about two years. Now, if you're ever in Burien, you see the, the Burien parking lot, you know, Scott, I did that project. Oh. <laughs> We're going to pull up in there. We're going to pull right up in there. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the projects. And uh, so after about a couple of years, you know, in 2008, because my son was born in 2007, 2008, the economy kind of, the construction kind of went tanked up, you know. So uh, I was just, you know, still, you know, trying to find a steady work, permanent job. And then someone said, you know, you know, you can go to the VA. They got, you know, programs for veterans that you can get your uh, back to work program. So 2008, I did that and uh, did that work program for about a year. And well, and, and then I, you know, I, 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 while I was there, I was applying for, you know, a permanent positions. So I ended up, you know, getting a job in the laundry. Wow. And uh, so, and that, but it was only part time, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Mind you, I had been at my church now, you know, for quite some times, and I had, you know, uh, you know, since 2000, I had been there, 2001, I had, you know, been at this church almost seven years. And uh, so, and then when I, you know, I had built some great relationships, you know, in the church. And, uh, you know, there was a family, the, 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 the Beavers, they, you know, they watched Lorenzo, uh, put Lorenzo on the school, took him to school every day. And to the Boys and Girls Club in the summertime. And uh, another family, uh, you know, the Halls, they took care of Lorenzo, put him on the bus, and, you know, and, uh, and you know, made sure he got off the school. You had a village, it sounds I had like. a village. I had a village. And yeah, then the, the other family. It takes a village. It takes a village. <laughs> yes. it takes a village. <laughs> and then, you know, um, the, um, the pools. They would pick, you know, we had men's Bible study on Friday nights. Well, I would go to Bible study, get a ride home, and pack my son's bag, and he would go live with the pools Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and they would bring him back. And they did that for about four years, three, four years, I believe. And uh, what, what you're hearing right now is a single father <laughs> doing the best he can with what he had. He was able to acquire a job with the VA hospital, which now you've been there 13 years. 13 years. Imagine that. Before yeah. his son was born, yeah. he yeah. had nothing. Nothing. He was searching for something. When this baby boy, <laughs> Lorenzo, came into his life, I literally, Marvin and I, watched him go cold turkey on everything he was doing. He had a nice little apartment in West Seattle. Yeah. He was preparing meals for this little handsome little boy <laughs> running around this apartment, loving on this baby. And everywhere since then, to this day, yeah. as we sit at this table to this day, he's had his son Lorenzo on his hip yeah. and has given him, 
I want to say a heck of a ride <laughs> yeah. into manhood. Yes, yes. Thank you, Lorenzo. Um, I know your story can go on and on and on and on and on. There's a lot to you, my brother. I mean, I you, you're a full tank. <laughs> <laughs> you're a full tank. But we're going to break for a moment, and then we're going to come back with a with a dad's 2.0 segment okay. right quick before we end our show. But thank you, Lorenzo. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Color Him Dads, a new show on the Voice America network will address barriers facing fathers who are struggling to enter or re-enter the lives of their children and families. It will speak to the epidemic of fatherlessness with real conversation and with real fathers. Color Him Dads, hosted by Marvin and Jeanette Charles. Podcast episodes are available weekly on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Color Him Dads with Marvin and Jeanette. If you are enjoying today's episode, be sure to check back every week where they will tackle a new topic. Now, back to the show. Wow. I don't know about y'all, but I'm having a good time. I, we didn't hear from Will Haynes, and we heard from Eddie Hendricks, who took us way back, gave us some deepness in his story. Now we're going to listen to Eddie's youngest son. We're going to consider this the dad's 2.0 effect. This the next generation of young men growing up in our community and with positive fathering and mothering. These young men and young women can grow up to be some real positive adults. I'm looking forward to seeing the outcome of what Lorenzo has journeyed through in his last 15 years under his father's leadership and support and guidance, his teaching. And we want to hear what it is in your generation at this time that you feel so strongly about that fatherhood, family, encourage you, encourages you to do more of. Just speak from your heart, babe. Um, okay. Uh, I'm going to start with saying my name is Lorenzo Hendricks. I feel like your last name is always important because you come into the world with your last name. You get it from your father. Mm. And I feel like you should always make honor your last name. So I try to bring honor to my last name. And I feel like dads is really, um, it's all I've known to see my dad go through it. Mm. Um, I saw him 
go through the whole program. I remember going over to dad's when I was little, playing the old dad's building, playing on the playground. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Going down the slide, mm-hmm. and it's, it's always, dad's always been a core memory. Um, and then all the fishing trips, mm-hmm. that, that, was, that was fun. Still a picture of me holding the fish. <laughs> <laughs> and we then loved it. just seeing my dad or like, just seeing him go from like, I vaguely remember it, but I remember the old apartment in West Seattle. Mm-hmm. I remember staying with my mom in the shelter mm-hmm. and then the whole thing happening and then him coming and getting me. Mm-hmm. And him being a father, I felt like it was just second nature for him. Like mm-hmm. he just did it without even thinking and he just did it so good. Mm-hmm. And like seeing, like, go from that apartment in West Seattle to owning a house. Ooh. Like seeing that transformation, I see him get up to go to work every morning, and even like even with the support, he still always got it done. And someday I wish to have his work ethic, because if there's one thing about him, he he's he's gonna work and he's gonna get it done. And I feel like that's like that's something I I wanna take from him. And then because the apartment in West Seattle, I remember. It was it was a one bedroom apartment. We slept in the same room, and then one day I I like I was I was sick. But he was like, "Come on, we still gotta go." We hopped on the bus and we got lost. And I was like, "Dad, what are we doing?" And I was just so confused. I was like, maybe like four. I was like, "I want to go home." And then we started walking some more, and we walk up to this house, and I was like, "What are we doing here?" And I see I remember I see a truck in the yard, and there's like some guy um, raking up leaves because there's this super big maple tree in the front of the yard. I was like, that's such a big tree. I want to climb it. <laughs> I, was, I was four years old. I wanted to climb the tree. And then my dad starts talking to the guy. He's like, all right, come on in. And we start touring the house. I was like, what is this? And my dad tells me, well, son, this is our new house. Wow. And I was like, what do you mean? And then that's where we were living. And then I remember that that house, we still live in the house. We started, we rented it for how many years? Like almost like five years. We were living in the house for five years. And then my dad, he decided to buy it. Well, no, first we went to go search for houses. We were searching for about like six months. We couldn't find the house we wanted. Then realized the house that we wanted was right in front of us. Wow. So we ended up wow. buying our house. And then now we're in the process of setting up a remodel. And seeing him go from being in a shelter mm-hmm. to remodeling in his house, that, that's just a crazy transformation. And then also the opportunities he's provided for me. I've been playing baseball since I was, what, like five? Started off with t-ball and then played football when it wasn't baseball season. Uh-huh. And then played baseball again and then... Um, COVID happened and I couldn't play baseball for a year. Mm. But as soon as COVID was over, signed me up for a baseball team, yeah. got right back to playing. And then I was like, I want to play select travel ball. So we did our little research. We found a team that was all the way out in Ballard. And we live in the Tequila area. So Ballard's like a 30 minute drive. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I don't think we can do it. My dad was like, no, we can do it. We'll get it done. 
So then I started playing for City Baseball and Ballard, and it was a whole different dynamic than Little League Baseball. It was there was a lot more competition, but also they have a whole facility, and it's also a lot more money. <laughs> but uh-huh. my dad was willing to spend that money, and since I was, I started with thirteen U playing for City, and then going to the facility like twice a week, just getting better. And then I played 14U. I thought I went into my 14U season thinking I was going to play 14U baseball. I ended up playing up, playing 16U. Look at that. And then remember that I just got better and better. And then now my dad, last year I was an eighth grader and we were looking at high schools because the local high school, Rainier Beach, it's not the best school. And also they're bit from the sports aspect, their baseball team wasn't the best, and I wanted to go to a school where I was going to win, get looked at, and hopefully get a scholarship to go to a Division One college. And then we found O'Day. Yeah, you got goals. Division One. I, yes, I have goals. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of them, a lot of dreams. And then we found O'Day High School. It's in the First Hill neighborhood. And at first, it wasn't about, like, where it was at. It was just about, like, it was a good school and good classes. They had honors classes. And also, they sent multiple kids to Division One colleges, mm-hmm. not just for athletics, but for academics. And that was that's really big for my dad because he, he didn't get to go to college. He didn't have the opportunities. So him being able to set up opportunities for me to go to college. That's really big for him. So I was real happy. And I still remember the day that I got into O'Day. We got the letter. Oh, no, we got the email first. And then my dad sat me down. And I thought I was in trouble. (laughs) I was like, oh, no, did you get another call from the school? (laughs) But no, he told me that it's time to, to lock in. I'm going to high school next year. And he told me I got an O'Day. And then like a couple of days later, I got my 2026, you got in O'Day poster. Awesome. Awesome. And after that, I bought O'Day hoodie, awesome. O'Day backpack, and I was ready for school. And yeah, and then being able to go to O'Day, it, it's different. It's a private school and it's a lot of money. But then again, my dad worked for it and he, he achieved his, he, he achieved his goal to set me up and job's not done and he's still working. Oh, he he's still he's, I love it. I love it. He's still gonna he's still working. He's gonna see me graduate. That's his goal. See me graduate high school. Then he's gonna retire. Then see me graduate college. And just seeing that transformation from him is really impactful and I look up to him so much. He's my hero. That's amazing, Lorenzo. That's so amazing. Lorenzo, it's amazing to hear you speak so highly of the work your father has done and is doing and how joyous it is for you to be under his tutelage and, and to be raised by him. If there was one thing you'd like to share with your classmates or other peers, what would you say about fatherhood? Um, fatherhood is really important for a child growing up because a father... I feel like a father is 
a key factor in a child's life. He's there to teach him to or teach him or her how to be responsible, how to and just how to live life in like the real world. And he's always a father is always there for support. And a father is always there to be like a strong figure that provides for his family. And because a father is a good role model that a child should look up to. And without a father in your life, life's going to be 10 times harder. And I feel like children with fathers in their lives, they're, they're more likely to grow up and be successful and then and just because they have that father figure to look up to, have the father for the talk to, for advice, have always someone to go to. Even when you're older, I see my brothers coming to my dad for advice and just talking to them. They're 36 years old. Wow. Still asking for advice from their dad. I feel like that's a lifelong, like, a lifelong line you always have to rely on. Yeah. You always have your father to rely on. Thank you, Lorenzo. Thank you. Um, we're going to hear more from Lorenzo uh, on our next episode. My husband Marvin and I are going to welcome him back and a few other guests. Um, and in the meantime, as, my, as we close out this session, this time, thank you, Eddie, Will, Lorenzo, for sharing your hearts and your stories. Yeah, I, um, I thank, I thank um, you guys for being here. Um, and I'm thankful that my wife was able to um, kind of give you a chance to kind of share your hearts and share the journey that you've been on for fatherhood. And uh, I'm really, really excited about the fact that Jeanette kind of navigated this one all by herself. As you can tell, she probably never met a mic she didn't like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm going to definitely go back and listen to these uh, this episode. Um, but I want to thank you guys for sharing time with. I want to thank our engineer, uh, Irie. He's been a great help for us uh, in our beginning stages of this. And so I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you. And I, I think we're off to a pretty good start. Um, um, color him dad's. Uh, from Divine Alternatives for Dad Services uh, here in the great Pacific Northwest. Would like to reach out to us? You can find us at www.aboutdads.org or give us a call here at the office, 206-722-3137. Tacoma, we also have an office in Lakewood uh, in the Boys and Girls Club there. Please feel free to connect with us. We look forward to hearing from you, your input, or we look forward to meeting you and sharing some love. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Color Him Dads. We hope today's episode has helped with your own struggles. Be sure to check back next week for another new episode with Marvin and Jeanette. Until then, have a blessed week.